welcome to Croxley Green Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Good morning. morning. Can you hear me? Even in the back? Perfect. Okay, so what we've just heard, the words of 2 Timothy, are very personal words. They are words from a mentor to his mentee, But they're even more than that. They're words from a friend to the other. They're Paul's words to Timothy, as Troy um, said. When Timothy receives the letter, Paul and Timothy have known each other for many, many years. They have worked and traveled together, always with the goal of spreading the gospel. They've shared in suffering and persecution for their faith. And now, when Paul writes the letter, he is in prison in Rome. And he knows that he is soon going to die. These are his last weeks, possibly his last few months. And he knows that he doesn't have much time left. Just in the next verse, after the passage that we've heard, he says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's verses six and seven of chapter four. So Paul knows. And on the other side, the receiving end, we have Timothy. He's many, many miles away in Ephesus and he's having a bit of a hard time there. He's pastoring the church in Ephesus and he faces opposition. Even his co-workers, people in the church, people he should be able to trust, they have turned against him. They cause destruction and confusion in the church with strange ideas. They're false teachers. And Timothy is the one who has to deal with it. So life is not easy. So we have Paul in prison, expecting to die sometime soon. And we have his dear, dear friend Timothy, who is miles away and who's, as I said, having a hard time facing problems. This letter might be the last, last time they get to communicate. So given the situation, what would be important? What does one say in a situation like this? First and foremost, Paul finds words of encouragement. The words we've just heard are very, very encouraging. He wants Timothy to stand strong in his faith, in the face of what is going on. And there are also words of truth and honesty. And I think we, in our days, we can take advice from them and learn from them. So let's take a look at what he says. Sometimes life isn't all that simple. Maybe sometimes we're on the edge edge of losing faith and hope. Paul knows that. He has experienced it firsthand. He has endured persecution. And in fact, in verse 12, he says, Um, So that's chapter 3, verse 12, what we've just heard. 
He says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. For Paul, this is just a matter of fact. And yet he doesn't leave it there. He goes on to encourage Timothy with the following words. But as for you, and may I say that to you as well, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That is verses 14 and 15. In other words, hold on to what you already know to be true. Don't forget what you've already learned. It is a call for Timothy and for you and me to live and abide, to continue and persevere in what we've already learned. And hold, hold on to the Holy Scriptures. For Timothy, back then, it, this was the Old Testament, and he knew it very well. The New Testament was obviously in the process of being written, and we now have the privilege of having both the Old and the New Testament. So, but why is this important? What does scripture do? And how does it help us to stand strong? Firstly, it shows us where salvation is to be found, in Jesus Christ. This is, it, this is its overall purpose. It shows us the way to God, to the Father, through Jesus. And secondly, it teaches and corrects us. Verses 16 and 17 are all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scriptures God breathed. It is as though God breathed his character into scripture, in and through what we believe to be the very word of God, his very word. God's spirit works and helps us to see and understand who God is and who we are in relation to him. Scripture will teach and correct us with the purpose of equipping us for whatever works he has called us to, be it work in church or outside of church, any tiny little thing we do in our everyday lives. And it's teaching, scripture's teaching, will also keep us from turning away from what we've already learned. It keeps us from turning away from our faith in the one who has saved us. I've mentioned before that Timothy had to face false teachers, false doctrine in Ephesus. And Paul addresses this, and he's also talking about, about times to come, and he says, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. That's chapter four, verse three. Even here, scripture is crucial. By knowing it well, we will be able to spot, to uncover potential lies and false teachers that cross our paths 
And I'm sure we all, we all have, or we will find ourselves in situations like this, in situations where discernment is needed. But how do we learn from scripture? How do we let it teach and correct us? Before we go on, we will look at a short video and I'll give you some context so that you'll be able to understand what's going on. So it is the ending scene of one of the Narnia films. Some of you might be familiar with it, but the story is this. It's a story about three kids, Lucy, Edmund and Eustace. And they have entered into this other world, Narnia, through a painting. And they've just been on this great journey, this great adventure. They have found seven lost lords, and they saved the land of Narnia from an evil force. And all this happened under the rule and guidance of Aslan, the great lion, the king above all high kings of Narnia. He represents Jesus, by the way. Now it's time for the children to say goodbye and to return to their own world. Let's see what Aslan has to say. Analogies always fail, I know that. But note what he says, what Aslan says. He says, that was the very reason you were brought to Narnia, that by knowing me here, you may know me better there. May I suggest to you that that's what it's all about, that by knowing him, that by knowing our God in here, you might know him better in our lives. That by learning about him through the stories, the prayers, the prophecies, the letters, and everything else there is in scripture, we will know him better in our lives. Now the Bible, the word of God, is not merely a historical textbook. Neither is it a magic book that fulfills one's every wish. It is also not a book of law, full of do's and don'ts, even though, yes, we do have some commandments in there. I want to draw your attention to the bigger picture. The Bible is a book full of stories. Stories of real people, of real nations, especially the nation of Israel. And ultimately, it tells the story of God 
and humankind. There are stories of success and victory, grief and suffering, stories of real people and their God, who is also our God. Stories of proud and rebellious people, and stories about humble and obedient people. And those stories teach us more than a list of laws ever could. They teach us who God is. They reveal his character. And they invite us into a relationship with him. The stories also teach us about ourselves, about who we are in relation to this great author. We are invited into the stories of those who have gone before us. We are invited to learn from them. Just like the kids are brought to Narnia to get to know Aslan and his world, so we are invited into the story of stories, so that by knowing him in here, we may know him better in our lives. We are invited in the, into the story of Elijah that we've just heard. He's utterly exhausted to the point where he doesn't want to live anymore. I'm sure many of us can, at least to a certain extent, relate to what it is like to feel exhausted. And we also heard how God responds to Elijah. He takes care of Elijah's basic needs, food and sleep. And then he meets him, not in the wind, not in the earthquake, not in the fire, but the sound of a low whisper. What does this tell you about yourself? And what does this teach you about God? We are invited into the story of David, for example, the story when he messes up big time by committing adultery and murder. We may learn from him what not to do, but we may also learn what to do when it happened, when it went wrong. We can learn from his honest repentance. We can learn from the attitude he had towards God when he was praying, creating me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me, in Psalm 51.10. And we can learn about God. We can learn that God cares about sin. He doesn't just ignore it, it matters. But we also, also see that there is forgiveness and restoration. Or may I suggest we sit with Timothy in Ephesus when he receives the letter from Paul that we've just looked at. What do Paul's words teach us about God and about ourselves? And of course, we come along into the story, stories about Jesus. He reflects God's character perfectly. In him, we see the Father. In the way he meets people, and sees their needs. 
in his compassion and love for them, in his healing and teaching. And at the cross where he died, we also see ourselves as we really are. We come to realize our sinful state as human beings. Through the stories of scripture, we learn who God is. We get to know him and we get to see ourselves as God sees us. This is what, what teaching and correction is about. It is about identifying where we think and act in ways that don't reflect God correctly. And it is about replacing them with the truth. It is a process of growth that will never end because he is so great and so much bigger than we can imagine. We will never be able to fully comprehend him. So why am I telling you all this? What does all this have to do with our topic of spiritual resilience? How does it make us stand firm in the face of hardship and temptation? How does this make us get up again when we failed? Well, we'll look at the story of Jesus' temptation that we've just heard in Matthew 4. Here, Jesus is in the wilderness, a lonely place to be. He's in a state of physical weakness because he's just been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And he was hungry, as we already talked about. And now temptation comes. The devil asks him to provide for himself. Given he is the Messiah, the Son of God, he surely can, right? And wouldn't it be understandable if he did? Yet we know that Jesus here is able to discern and follow the will of the Father. And he answers the devil by quoting scripture. But may I suggest that it's not just important that he uses scripture, but also what he refers to. He's not me merely referring to a random verse somewhere in scripture, but he points back to a story. It is the story of the Israelites in the wilderness. Let me read what Jesus quotes in a little bit of context. So I'm gonna read from Deuteronomy 8, and that's verses one, uh, two and three. And here it's Moses speaking to the Israelites, and he sums up their story. He says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Do you see the similarities? The Israelites were in the wilderness. So was Jesus. They were hungry. And so was Jesus. They were tested to see what was in their hearts. So was Jesus. Jesus was well acquainted with scripture 
with the Old Testament and the story of the Israelites. He knew about their struggles, about, they, uh, about how they time and time again complained to God and chose rebellion against God until they, more or less, learned their lesson. And now Jesus is facing a similar situation. He gets to choose between rebellion and obedience. He is being tested. By quoting this verse, by referring back to the story of the Israelites, it's, it is almost as though Jesus is saying, look, I know the story of the Israelites in the wilderness. I know what they've been through and what they've learned. I will not make the same mistake. Because I know my father in scripture, I know him right here where I'm at in my life right now. And that is why I know that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of, of God. And this is how Jesus resists temptation. This is how Jesus stood strong. By knowing his father in here, he knew him in his life. And that's how we will stay strong. Let us know him in here so that we may know him better in our lives. <laughs>